Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Ben, and today I'm here with Laura Cook. And today we shall be taking a look at In an Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. This is the Deconstruct Podcast. Today, as I mentioned, I am joined by Laura Cook. Would you care to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. Thanks for having me on the show today. So as Ben said, I am Laura. Um, I am also a member of the WICB staff, and I am a big uh, modern rock fan, obviously, being a DJ on um, WICB's Modern Rock. And this is one of my favorite songs. And so I figured what a great opportunity to deconstruct it on the Deconstruct podcast um, and talk about it and everything that it makes me feel. So I'm very excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And when Laura suggested this song, I I was taken, like, the sounds that are made in this song are quite interesting and not so obvious that you make here on a first listen. So this is really worth a deep dive. Laura, what's your musical background? Do you have any musical background besides working at WICB? Yeah. Um, so before I was a DJ for WICB, I sang in choir uh, during high school a little bit. I used to play cello for a while in middle school. Um, I was pretty mediocre at that. Um, and then I did play a little bit of piano. So I, I have a, if we're talking um, about kind of musical background and theory, music theory, knowledge and understanding, I would say I have more knowledge than an average person, but I'm by no means an expert. I have a baseline knowledge of music theory, chord progression, all that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I do have some musical background. Does that does that answer the question? Yeah. So just to get a few housekeeping th- things out of the way, first, I want each and every listener to go through this song once and try to pick apart every little detail that you can from the chords to the production to the melodies everything that you can and secondly remember that we can't play any clips on the podcast because copyright so throughout the podcast we will be giving you timestamps preceded by a beep and then we'll give you a timestamp we'll give you a few seconds to scan to that and then we'll give you another beep to launch you back into the show So without further ado, let's get started. Zero minutes and zero seconds through zero minutes and eight seconds. So even in this guitar, it may just sound like there's just a guitar strumming out these four chords, but there's a lot more going on in there. So my first question, are there one guitars playing or are there two guitars playing? Oh God, well, I'm assuming that it sounds sort of like there's two. Yeah, you are right. There is two, but you, I think it's not so obvious if you're listening through on headphones because they are panned hard one ear into the other. So if you listen back to that section, then you'll notice that they don't overlap in your ear space at all. Like one's entirely in the left ear, one's entirely in the right ear. You may have noticed that the guitars are blowing out the mics a little bit in that last little bit. There's a little bit of a catch in the sound quality, and that's not on my end. That's not on your end. That was a direct result of the recording process. That's actual distortion being happening there. 
So, Laura, why do you think that they would let this distortion fly in the first place? Because in any modern recording studio, distortion like that would not fly. But why would they let it go here, do you think? It's Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's interesting that you bring it up because that's something I noticed when listening to just this artist as a whole, Neutral Milk Hotel, is that there is that distortion in a lot of the tracks, a lot of the songs, and there's there are moments of almost like this sounds kind of weird or almost bad, but it works. And I don't even know exactly why, like, I don't know if I have a solid answer for you, but I think there's something this sort of like almost messy quality in Neutral Milk Hotel's music, but it like, it's their style and it's almost, it's unique to them, so it works. And I don't really know why. You're absolutely right. I had to look into this and turns out it's because this is not studio quality by any means because Jeff Magnum, the mastermind behind Neutral Milk Hotel, did not have enough money to invest in decent recording equipment. He can invest in compressors or any decent audio equipment besides. And so if you want to get a rounder sound, a more fuller sound on garbage equipment, you have to distort it. Otherwise, the signal will straight up get lost, especially if you're working on magnetic tape. I don't know if he was working on magnetic tape. This was released in the 90s, so he may have had access to digital recording equipment. He may have had to stick to mag tape. I, th- If I recall correctly, he had to stick to mag tape, but... Even me having just this one microphone and something to plug it into the computer, I don't have to deal with that distortion. I can adjust the levels myself and distort it in post and compress it in post. But that just wasn't an option in before digital audio workstations, the modern way that music is produced. Yeah, I think um, that that's an interesting fact to know about that. See, I didn't know that, but I think something about Neutral Milk Hotel is that when I listen to them, I get the sense that they're just kind of like this organic band that doesn't have all this fame and like fancy equipment and stuff. They're just sort of playing from their hearts and souls. And I I think that's, maybe that's why the like, distorted sounds doesn't really bother me it's just all part of it's a package deal in a way it's just this very organic um genuine sound because it is sort of messy you know yeah there is something to be said for that sort of rundown vibe that rundown charm so to say um before we dive any further i just want to address this chord structure really quickly it's It's not that much going on. You may know it as the four chords, um, say, from Don't Stop Believing. I'm going to play Don't Stop Believing. So you have the home key, the one, the tonic. In this case, they're moving swiftly away from the one chord to the sixth chord, which is the furthest that this chord progression gets away. And then it takes the four and the five chord to get back to the one. So... Overall, not a very complicated chord structure, but Laura, I'm wondering, why do you think that Neutral Milk's 
Hotel would be using such a simple chord progression in this song and pretty much any of their songs. What do they have to gain by not using stronger chords? I think this is another great question. And I actually do kind of have a better answer for this. Um, you know, and obviously I'm not like, I can't read their minds, but to me, this band, I think they play to their strengths, which is the simpler elements of music, kind of going back to our last question, talking about the sound quality. It's really all about just being genuine, simple, and straight from the heart. And so I, I wrote down, I think that you kind of see, I think tr this back and forth between the major and minor chords, and it's very simple, but I think it actually translates into the meaning of the song, which I'm sure we'll get into more. Um, but I'll just say, I, I got a lot of sad and sweet back and forth in the song. So I think the simple transition from the major to chords to the minor chords back and forth kind of works with that meaning in a way. And again, as I said, I'm sure we'll get into that more as we go on. But I think a combination of the fact that this song has a lot of sad and sweet elements, but also just the band as a whole really likes to play off of that simple, just genuine, what you see is what you get sort of vibe and uh, style, I guess. I think that is probably a contributing factor to say the least as to the chord progression of this song. I'd have to agree with every word of that. I think we've covered everything that there is to in just these first 10 seconds here. So moving on swiftly to the melody. Zero minutes and eight seconds through zero minutes and 36 seconds. If I was to ask you about harmonic and melodic form, like A section, B section, C section, would you know anything about that? So what exactly is form? Like, what is it referring to again? Okay, so melodic form is the idea that in melody there are repeated fragments, and the same applies to harmonic form. So there would be the A section of this verse, and there's an, also a B section where the trombone is playing. Um, and those are two separate musical ideas in harmonic form. And that also... That sort of repeated fragment idea, it happens within one verse. That makes sense. So now I am definitely not an expert in this realm. Um, so this this could be kind of off. But to me, what I hear at least is you have the what a beautiful face I found in this place that is circling all around the sun. That's kind of one um, section. It's kind of a sentence to write. What a yeah, it's a sentence and it kind of is a complete thought, you know? And then after that, you have it again with the what a beautiful dream that could flash on the screen in a blink of an eye and be gone from me. And then, and it's it's almost the same, I think. It's just about the same, but then it moves into the last part of the verse with the soft and sweet, let me hold it close and keep it here with me. That part's a little bit different. Right, so... In music theory terms, that first section, that repeated first section would be called the A section. And then that last section would be called the B section. And so together, that since it has two of the A section and one of the B section, it would be called an AAB form. 
to bring up simplicity again in this um, in this episode, I think this song form here, um, and I didn't realize this until I did a little bit further research because sometimes when I listen to music, I don't really pay attention to like structural things. I'm just kind of listening for emotion, feeling, etc. But anyway, when I um, looked this song up and and read through kind of the layout of the lyrics and the song structure, I realized it's really just kind of like verse, verse, I think verse, bridge verse, or something like that. There's not really that that most common structure of like verse, chorus, verse. It's again, very simple, just verse, 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 and there's the bridge and then the verse again. And it's just very, what you see is what you get, you know? I. Maybe you have a different take on it, but that's just kind of how it seems to me, you know? Yeah, that's really true, and it's really evocative of earlier styles of music, like pre-20th century music. Well, actually not so much pre-20th century, like before 1950 even, where the idea of a chorus as a distinct thing from the verse that the verse leads to, that's an invention of the 1950s and 60s and I think this is more evocative of that earlier time period where the verse was the central part of the song. Um, and that was the case for many, many years in popular music beforehand, as I'm pretty sure as far back as the 1800s. So, and I think that's quite well reflected in the artwork of this album, which I suggest for any of you who haven't seen the artwork on it, it's a bit surrealist in playing on the sort of postcards that you'd get from the seaside in the early 20th century. I think both of those kind of tie well together in this case. Agreed. <laughs> Within one of the verses, there's even more repeated fragments. So, so it has that sort of that rising and then falling down within that little phrase. It happens again. Rising again, falling again. Um, and it's flipped on its head yeah. this, the third time round. Falling and then rising. Wow, oh, that's a really astute observation. I, I actually didn't pick up on that, but I think that's awesome. And every time I listen to this song, I just feel this sort of pushing and pulling, I guess, or almost, almost rocking. Like you're in a boat, you know, like on the sea and it's totally because of that. It's totally because of the rising and falling. So that, that clicked for me. <laughs> Happy to be of help. Um, <laughs> yes. And then this B section, it takes that rising and falling to more extremes by dragging it out and dragging out the tops and bottoms of it. And then falling back again and stretching out that sort of rising and falling action while everything underneath is still just hammering out chords. That's yeah. some good songwriting. Love it. There. Uh, Absolutely. Hmm. That's the very core of this song. But from here... There's some other elements worth talking about, especially as we drag on to the second verse. Beginning at zero minutes and 39 seconds. The next thing up is the production element. So adding drums, adding bass, obviously. How much are the bass and drums? How much is it adding to this situation? 
So it sounds as though the drums, at least, are kind of in the background. You know, I, they don't really stand out to me very much, but they're there to kind of hold the beat down, keep it along, you know? What are your thoughts, though? I'd say about the same thing. I'd say the bass is doing the exact same thing. I mean, throughout, there's a little bit of drums like, and bass, you know, that sort of thing, but they don't call attention to themselves, and I think that's a very wise decision on this song's part, because the focus is, of course, on the melody, and the lyrics that come with it. There are some songs in this world that are here for the music and some songs that are here to be a fancy way of delivering lyrics. I think this is more of a fancy way to deliver with lyrics. 100%. However, there is one more element that we added in the very upper register that's panned to both ears. Try to figure out what it is. I don't expect you to know what it is if you haven't heard it before and don't know that particular sound, but I'll let's see if we can do it on a first shot, shall we? Yes, I don't know what it is, but it's like the I, I can't even really imitate it, like the kind of high or up it's, notes, it's a like whistle the, almost. It's I think. sort of in the all right. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's it's actually really funny. I, I feel like I only subconsciously notice that every time I've listened to the song, but never like consciously paid attention to that, but that's totally there too. Yeah, I don't know exactly All what right. it is though. So the modern way of identifying instruments and categorizing instruments is through the sax horn hornbostel system. And it categorizes five major groups. Hi, this is Future Editing Ben here, and Past Ben was about to go into a spiel about the differences between the four or five different types of instruments in the hornbostel sax system but it's long and inaccurate and doesn't lead to any productive conversation. So I'm gonna outline this system for you with a little bit more knowledge. And to understand this classification, it's helpful to look at it to see what needs to change about the instrument in order to change the pitch. The first in the classification is the idiophone, which vibrates throughout the entire body. This is best exemplified through instruments like the xylophone, the marimba, the glockenspiel, since in order to change the pitch, you have to change the entire block of wood or metal. The second classification is the membramophone. These produce their sound through a tightly stretched membrane, and it's the tightening that changes the pitch of the membrane, as opposed to the idiophone, which you need to change the whole thing in order to change the pitch. Most of the drums on a drum kit fall into this category, but oddly, weirdly enough, kazoos fall into this category, since it's that paper thing that makes the thing vibrate. The next two are more useful to consider when trying to pick out an instrument because they all sound more or less like each other. Chordophones are more commonly called stringed instruments and they're produced by having a string taut between two different points. The pitch of any given string is changed by either tightening the string or by shortening its length, often by, you know, the way guitars finger their instrument. And the thing is, both the plucking and the bowing of a string instrument has a distinctive volume shape to it. The last of the traditional classification of instruments is the aerophone, which are made by blowing wind through the instrument. And I don't know what it is about the way the breath moves, but I think that all wind instruments sound roughly the same, even though a lot of the specifics might stay the same. The general idea still is a lot the same. And I think that might have to do partly due to the steady volume that comes with a wind instrument. The most recent addition is electrophones, which is any instrument made through electronic means. With the previous four categories, the tone quality may change slightly from note to note, 
electronic instruments generally have the same tone and general shape of a tone every single time because they're generated through logic rather than physics. Now we return you to a conversation where the previous information is entirely pointless. Just by listening to it, which do you think it might be? You know, I honestly really am not sure. My, if I had to guess, I would say maybe like like some woodwind brass thing going on, but I really don't know. Yeah, this really is a tough one. I'm not going to fault you on that because the sound that's being produced is is a constant sort of sound. So I get where you're going with that through like um, something that would vibrate through air, like through a column of air because woodwind and brass instruments do that very well. However, in this case, it's using an instrument called a musical saw. And it, mm. it literally is a handsaw. Ta- no that way. You wow. literally take a bow and like use it like a string instrument, but instead of like holding down frets or whatever, you bend the saw to change the pitch. Huh. Yeah, I can totally, now after hearing that, I can totally hear how the instrument in the song is the same as that. Yeah. Like that, and I can hear that. This is all just to say that it's, if you haven't heard an instrument before, it is indeed very difficult to try and identify it. Like, even I didn't even know what that was. I had to look that up, what that was, and so... If you don't know what an instrument is, that's okay. You can look it up like the rest of us, and hopefully you can find a new instrument to add to your array of sound-making devices, at least the ones that you know of. There, I think, from here on, there's only a few more things. This has been a rather short episode, but it it is a rather simple but lovely song. 1 minute and 12 seconds through 1 minute and 28 seconds. All right, so this, we have arrived at the B section. The chord progression. Hi, I was about to get this chord progression wrong. I don't even know why. It was a stupid mistake on my part, so I'm about to explain it the real way. It does use all same of the four chords, but in a different order. Chord number one is the minor sixth chord, the farthest away that we'll get from the home key in this progression. Then the four chord, the most predominant of predominant chords, which means it's going to resolve to the tonic, the one chord, the home key. And then finally a five chord to move it properly away from the home key so that we can start the whole progression over again. You may know of it as a variant on the axis of awesome four chord structure. The chords didn't have to change underneath this trombone line. The trombone's just, I'm pretty sure the trombone is just improvising over top the chord changes. So they didn't need to start somewhere different. They could have just started on the one They didn't. They started on that minor and established that as sort of a tonic in of itself. So why do you think they would have done that? Hmm. That is another good question that I don't know if I have a solid answer for really. But I mean, it could, you know, it could be to kind of change it up, vary it up a little bit and um, highlight the, I guess, it could be sort of to match the, is it a trombone? 
that's playing. All right, so I don't know if it's a trombone or a trombone patch or like whatever a trombone it is. Yeah, maybe to kind of highlight that, bring it out a little bit. But I, I honestly, I really don't know. I think your guess is is like I think your guess is pretty good on its own. You know, it's okay that sometimes musical things aren't that symbolically significant like not that emotionally evocative but in this case i think it is just because it's trying to get away from the verse and establish that this is a bridge this is something different um about that trombone sound it's not a really great trombone sound i have to say my brother he's a trombonist and he could play that a lot more sup supply and a lot more beautifully but in this case it just kind of like almost like the house of commons like if if you haven't watched prime minister's questions this is like (laughs) yeah it's very just kind of what's the word like bombastic or something it's just in your face yeah um do you think there's a reason they didn't go so subtly or um is it just a side effect of the production Hmm. that's an interesting question i think I think maybe both. Mm. I think it could be both. I think they, I think, you know what? I think they almost in their music, they sort of own up to the fact that they don't have the best equipment and sound quality production quality. And I think they kind of just own it and like go for it. So I think in a way it's almost both. They're just like, okay, like this isn't the best quality, but like we're still going to, we're still going to make art anyway. And this is what we've got. Absolutely. Um, two minutes and zero seconds through two minutes and 30 seconds. This is a totally new melody line. So I guess we must discuss it now. All right. So I think the fragments and this bridge line also reflect some of the things that were happening in the verse melody proper. If you're listening along, you might want to listen out for the sort of rising and falling actions that were happening before and try to see if they're reflecting this melody line again. I'm seeing some patterns here and I'm wondering, Laura, if you're if you're seeing any patterns to this melody line here. Hmm, let me think. So I, I'm looking at the lyrics right now. I think that with the bridge, we start with a now how I remember you. And then we get that how I would push my fingers through your mouth to make those muscles move. Does it, does it start over with that same melody yet, but now we keep where we don't know, or is it different? I'm trying, I don't remember perfectly. The two sections of this do have the same melody line. You are correct on that front, but within the bridge melody lines, there's the same repeated pattern over again. It's a falling action within each measure. Da 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 da. One falling action, then rising up to da 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 da. And then another falling action. Da 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 da. So, again, it's the same sort of falling action repeated over and over again. So, I'm wondering. What emotionally does it bring out that sort of falling action every time that it happens and then rising up just to have another falling action? Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up and I'm really glad that you pointed out the fact that it is like a rising action and falling action because something that I've been thinking about a lot with music in general, really, but it really is true to this song is that 
music in a lot of ways sort of follows the narrative structure of a story. So like a film or a book or something where you have this, um, you know, you have the introduction, exposition and kind of inciting incident hook really. And then you have the rising action, falling action. There's sort of a climax, there's this tension and release. Um, and this song is a great example of that, I think. So, um, so I, I think, I think for this song, the, the biggest emotions that I get out of this song are this pull and push, push and pull between like this sad and sweet kind of emotion. And I think that is sort of why there is that rising and falling tension and release. It's like sad and sweet and sad and sweet. Um, and, and I think also it, it feels like kind of like rocking back and forth almost like you are, you know, in a boat on the sea or something like that. There's a very like nautical kind of element to it in a way, I think. Yeah, that that all makes perfect sense in my opinion. Two minutes and 29 seconds through two minutes and 45 seconds. And then we end the bridge and... It sounds like there's faucets being creaked open or some crap like that. I know it's the singing saw, but in this case, they decided to abandon all melody and just go straight for the sort of vibe to it. So why would they want to try to solo um, turning on and off faucets? You know, this is another question where I really don't know if I have a solid answer. Sometimes I think... Sometimes musical artists and artists in general just do things and you're like, all right, I mean, okay, I, I, I don't know. But I mean, again, as I said, this is one of my favorite songs. And so for me, it, it just, I don't know, it, it works, I guess. I, do you have a thought on this? Because I, I honestly don't, but. I'd say that in general, musical artists are a different breed and we've seen, Either they're trying to be really spot on with everything or they just throw all caution to the wind. And I think this is the latter case. In the first episode that we listened to, Dreams by the Cranberries, there was a bunch of weird old sound effects being added in at the end that you would never hear on radio play because they'd bring it down before the end. And so there's no reason for it to happen other than it. it's funny, I guess. Um, wacky quirky <laughs> yeah um, but I think that's all the reason you need and we end off with one last verse three minutes and 15 seconds to the end and it ends off with cutting in and out a little bit there the bass is distorted to hell and it cuts off as if it were cutting off like like, if you were just turning off the play button on a magnetic tape recorder. So, I'm thinking when this went to production, um, they could have left that out um, and just faded out at the end. Cutting it off like that instead of fading it out. Why do you think they kept it in? And Yeah, it literally sounds like, you know, it's just cut, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... <laughs> This, you know, 
I'm not sure. Um, uh, you know, I'm really, I guess, not sure with any of these, um, these good questions that you're asking, but maybe it, it could just be almost a funny little thing like, all right, that's it, <laughs> done. Yeah. Or it could almost be like, like their signature sort of simple organic essence. It could be kind of a, a way to just end the song, say, you know, this is who we are, this is how we roll and just cut it off and and almost again like just being proud of the fact that they're kind of making the most with the least in terms of the equipment that they have and and everything like that but hopefully that that was kind of wordy but hopefully that made sense it made absolute sense and it i think that sort of cutting off wraps up this whole discussion of a band that doesn't care much about the production side as long as the melody is true, the chords are true, and the sound is true, and the lyrics are true. Some of these lyrics I just want to talk about real quick. Like, I think the the lyrics to this song are probably my favorite part about the song, that or the melody, which, as we talked about, is really the most important part of the song that is the, the reason that it exists, I think. Um, but... I mean, they really, they really strike me. There's this sort of existentialism going on, this, this feeling of like, well, you know, I don't know why we're here. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know what life is all about. It, it was very existential thoughts, but at the end of the day, it's just like, let's just, let's just enjoy it while we're here and appreciate what we've got. We, I mean, if we look at the lyrics, like what a beautiful face I have found in this place that is circling all around the sun like you know just the beauty of of life here on earth um and and I could I could keep going but I know we're we're gonna wrap up soon I'll just say a couple more um this is this is one of my favorites too and one day we will die and our ashes will fly from the aeroplane over the sea that's so beautiful I love that um you know it's and it's acknowledging like okay death is inevitable one day we will die um, and our ashes will fly from the airplane over the sea. Um, but for now, we are young. Let us lay in the sun and count every beautiful thing we can see. That's awesome. It's basically just saying, let's enjoy this while we're here. Let's just appreciate the beautiful things in life and make the most of it. And then lastly, the very, um, very, very last line in the song, um, can't believe how strange it is to be anything at all. That's like, prime existentialism right there like how weird it is to exist and be um something a, a sentient being it's very odd but let's just enjoy it why yeah. not right yeah I so think, that's that's what i love about this song yeah and i think that really ties well into the melody again the the melody line itself is rocking back and forth as if it's on a ship that could crash and burn at any moment but then you have a straight up simple chord progression that's unyielding and positive and that ties the whole thing together in a well of positiveness saying yes life is uncertain but even then why not have some fun with it so uh... absolutely i'm so glad we we got to discuss this song i i've said it before but it's one of my favorites insert here a it was my pleasure laura because laura cut me off before i could say it and of course we hope you take these questions that we've asked here, ask them elsewhere to other songs, and hopefully learn something through your own musical experience. And one last thing, um, if you 
if you wish, go back and listen to this song through. Try to listen for those elements again and see what kind of emotional connection it makes. Before we end yeah. off, um, Laura, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes. So I do want to plug the A-Side, B-Side podcast, which is a new podcast from WICB where we analyze albums. We talk about an album that is very well known. That is the A-Side of the podcast and I host that side. And then on the B-Side is host that is hosted by Sam Ives, our station manager. And that highlights an album that really nobody knows and is very obscure. The two albums are related in some sort of way. We try to make them kind of uh, cohesive and coherently uh, related, even if it's in kind of a small way. Um, but it's very, it's very interesting if you are a rock fan, a modern rock fan, and if you're looking to discuss a well-known album, then it's good. Or if you want to get some exposure to some new music, it's also good because of the B-side. So that is something that I think uh, people should check out. You can f- catch me on an episode about uh, a rush of blood to the head on Laura's podcast. And of course, links to all of my projects are in the show notes. So this has been the Deconstruct Podcast. I have been Ben. And I have been Laura. And we will catch you next time. 